Well, what's up? We're super glad that you're here today, um, whether you're watching online or catching up on YouTube or listening to the podcast. And I'm going to dive right in today because this week I got a major surprise. It's something I didn't see coming, and I don't know why I didn't see it coming because it happens every single year. I was sitting on my couch. It was probably Monday night. Uh, yeah, because it was Monday night football. And uh, the commercial came on, so I'm flipping through the commercials. And I saw a Christmas commercial. And the first thought that popped into my mind is, why would they have a Christmas commercial? We're not even close to Christmas. And then I caught myself thinking, dear God, like we're close to Christmas. Now, some people have already started putting up Christmas decorations. I'm not going to point out anybody in the room. But somebody, and, 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 and that's okay. Listen, it's your word. I think we ought to respect the great pumpkin and Thanksgiving. But if you want to go ahead and start with Christmas decorations, I'm not judging. I'm just saying whatever. Um, but we're getting close to, we're closer to Christmas than, than we realize, right? And it just kind of reminded me of the holidays coming up. And we're going to get to spend some time with family. And some of us love the time we spend with family. And some of us, when we hang out with family, we're reminded that if we were not related by blood, that we would never hang out with these people. Now, I'm from the southeast part of the United States. Well, actually, I'm from the left coast, you know, California, but got back to the southeast really young. And so I understand southeastern culture. This might not be true up north. This might not be true out west or Pacific Northwest or whatever, but... In the South, when you get together with family, there's essentially three things that you don't talk about if you want the family gathering to go well. The first thing is politics. You don't talk about politics. I have seen, literally, um, several years ago, I saw a family discussion about politics nearly break out in a fist fight. It was absolutely amazing. And if it would have happened, I would have captured the whole thing and put it on Instagram, but it didn't. So unfortunately, I didn't get to capture that. The second thing you don't talk about is you don't talk about religion. Um, if you talk about religion, because there's always somebody in the family that's not religious, there's always somebody in the family that's hyper-religious. This is Southern families, by the way, Southern families. And so you don't talk about religion because if you do, there's going to be a fight. And the third and final thing you don't talk about in the South at a family gathering is, can anybody guess? College football, college football. Now, I know you don't talk about it up north, and the reason is you don't really have any good football teams. But in the southeast, we actually have good football teams. And so you don't talk about college football because college football really can divide families right down the middle. And some of you have seen this. In fact, this is, I'm not making this up. I had a really cool uncle um, growing up. He's going on to be with the Lord. And he um and he was um he was a Gamecock fan. Everybody's got their flaws, um, but he was a major game and he loved South Carolina. And if you really love South Carolina, you know this is true. If you really love South Carolina, you hate Clemson. If you're a South Carolina fan and you pull for Clemson, except when they play for South Carolina, then you're not a true South Carolina fan because but you you have to hate Clemson. And so he did. So. The very first national championship that Clemson won, notice guys that they've won more than one. The first one that they won, I was actually at the game. I was in Miami, January 1st, 1982, the Orange Bowl. Clemson played Nebraska. Now, my uncle was not at the Orange Bowl, but because he loved South Carolina, he hated Clemson. Therefore, he was pulling for Nebraska on that day. And when it became apparent that Clemson was going to win that game, 22-15, when it became apparent that Clemson was going to win the game 
And, and oh, by the way, left this out. Both of my cousins, both of my cousins were Clemson fans. So they're cheering for Clemson. My uncle is cheering for Nebraska. When it became apparent that Clemson was going to win, they're cheering, he's angry, and he sent, not making this up, he sent them to their room. He said, go to your room and don't come out until I say. And they were like, well, we're hungry. He said, go to your room. And, and one of them said, well, I need to go to the bathroom first. He said, no. Good. Like he, and he was serious. He put my cousins in their room and would not let them come out until the next day, probably around lunchtime. It's when he let them come out of their room. Now, you, we can't imagine that happening in today's society because all a teenager would have to do is go in their room and put on Instagram that they got trapped in their room and SWAT teams would be like rappelling in and the parents would get arrested and all that stuff. But, but like 1982, that world didn't exist. And you did what mama and daddy said. But what, what I've thought about that so many times because what he should have essentially said, now he would have never said this, but his actions demonstrated in that moment this phrase right here, I love of you more than I love you. In other words, I, I love, I love South Carolina football. I, I hate Clemson football. I love a view. I love my view of football more than I love you. And so because I love a view more than I love you, you have to go to your room. Now, now we've all seen this happen when it comes to politics. We've seen this attitude happen when it comes to football. And unfortunately, many people have seen this attitude when it comes to church. That maybe you've encountered a person or maybe you've encountered a group of people and they love of you more than they love you. In fact, if you're watching today and you've ever walked away from God, or you've walked away from church, or you've walked away from religion, it probably had very little to do with God. It probably had something to do with somebody having this attitude towards you. And I want you to know that this attitude is not something new. It's been around for thousands of years. In fact, Jesus himself had to deal with, with people like this right here. And there's, there's a couple options. We're going to talk about both today. Either we've been hurt by people that have this attitude or we are people with this attitude who have hurt other people. Now, I just want to make a confession before we dive in. I've been on both sides. I've been on both sides. But it's a fascinating story that we're going to dive into. So if you have a Bible and you want to go to John chapter 9, John chapter 9 verse 1, um, we're going to dive into this story. It's going to be fascinating. Here we go. John chapter 9 verse 1. That's what the Bible says. As he went along, meaning Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, I want to pause and just kind of have a, have a moment here. In, these, in this particular time, in Bible times, if you had any sort of physical deformity, you were th it was either thought that you had sinned or your parents had sinned, and so the disciples wanted to have a conversation with Jesus about this blind guy. And surprisingly, my mind works a little weird, this reminded me of something that happened to me in college. Now, in college in the early 90s, um, a group of friends of mine, we, uh, one night at about 11.30, we decided to go to Taco Bell. Don't judge me. Because in the early 90s, we didn't have nutritional information, so we had no idea the damage that we were doing to our bodies 
by going to Taco Bell. What you got to remember is when you're in college, the goal is to eat food as cheap as possible. And Taco Bell had a 59 cent menu. And so we made runs for the border often. Okay. And, um, I'll leave that alone. Anyway. So, so one night we're sitting in Taco Bell, there's a group of us hanging out there, um, just kind of talking. And this guy walks in and the best way I can describe him is he looked like Flavor Flav. Now, if you don't know who Flavor Flav is, there's a group um, in the 90s called Public Enemy. You can go listen. To, actually, don't go listen to their music. But, but they had like a hype guy. This is him. This is Flavor Flav who wore a clock around his neck. And all he did during the music was walk around the stage going, yeah, boy. That's all he did. That's all he did. He got paid for that. America, land of opportunity, greatest nation in the world. All right, so, so Flavor Flav walks into Taco Bell. He had, this guy had glasses on though that night. This is the only difference. Had his hat on sideways, had a clock around his neck. And all of us at the table started going, yeah, boy, because that's who was there. And he just starts staring at the menu. And he stands there for five, 10 minutes. It's really awkward. And we're kind of making you know, fun of him. All of a sudden, this one guy gets up, walks up, and actually has a conversation with him. Takes him up to the counter, buys him some food, comes and sits down with him at the table, prays with him, and then walks back over and sits down. And that was mind-boggling to me. And I walked away from that experience with this in mind. It's much easier to talk about someone than to actually talk to them. That's what's going on with Jesus and his disciples, and the man born blind. And the question we got to ask is this. Why didn't they just ask Jesus to heal the guy? They knew Jesus could do it. I mean, at this point in the story, they'd seen Jesus heal people. They'd seen him feed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. They'd seen him walk on water. They had seen him do all sorts of miracles. Why didn't they just say, hey, Jesus, here's a blind guy. Why don't you heal him? And the reason why is, once again, it's easier talk to talk about a person or a group of people than it actually is to engage those people in conversations. One of the things that we've got to be willing to do, because this is, this is crazy, especially in the South. People go, well, I just got convictions. It's awesome to have convictions. But when your convictions prevent you from having a conversation with people that God loves, then those convictions are leading you to be nothing like Jesus. We'll talk more about that in a little while. All right, so, so we're going to keep going on. We're going to keep going on. Jesus addresses it. Jesus addresses some things with disciples. And then this next verse, don't skip over this next verse, because I skipped over this verse for years. But watch this. After saying this, he told his disciples, he spit. On the ground. No, I'll pause for just a second. Spit is gross. I would rather be open hand slapped in the face than spit on. Anybody agree with me right there? I, 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 honestly, I prefer neither. Um, so don't, like if you see me this week, don't want to Pastor P. I don't, I don't want that. But I was thinking about, I've only been spit on once or twice. And in both occasions, the other person... Um, I'll whip the crap out of them. Let's just say that because I just, it's just gross. The only spit that's acceptable in the world 
is mama spit. Mama spit can clean anything. It can make a cowlick go down. Mama, if, we could, if we could sell it, it could solve the world's problems. Mama spit works. But other than that, spit is gross. So Jesus is spitting. Now, if you're one of his disciples, you've never seen that. You've never seen him do this. This is a little bit weird. And my question is, how awkward was this moment? Because the Bible says that he spit on the ground, made some mud. Pause. How much spit would it take to make mud in the desert? Because Jesus is in, he's around Jerusalem. Jerusalem is in an arid area. So it wasn't just like one spit. It wasn't like, and there was mud. How much, so, so Jesus is spitting on the ground, making mud. Now, if you're one of the apostles, are you a little bit like just weirded out by this entire thing? I, what's he doing? I don't know. Was, I don't know. What is it? He just spit again. I don't know. What's it? Oh, he, oh, he just put his hands in it. He just put his hands in the spit. And then he made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Now, if you're a normal person watching this without knowing the story, this is like if, if, if you caught this on social media, they would have crucified Jesus right then. You don't make, you don't spit on the ground, make mud, and stick it on the handicapped guy's eyes. <laughs> Can we all admit that's a little jacked up, right? But don't miss this. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. Sometimes the way that Jesus wants to heal us is a little messy. Sometimes, 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 sometimes we experience the mess before we experience the miracle. Because notice in the next verse, Jesus tells him, he says, go, he told him, which I always thought it's funny. He told the blind man to go somewhere. He's got like mud, like dripping from his eyes. Go wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and, and washed and came home seeing. So, so Jesus gave him the ability to be healed, but he, he actually had to take his next step in order to experience healing. Now, this is, I want, I want to go back to this. Sometimes, sometimes the mess happens before the miracle. And the reason I would say that is to try to encourage somebody that feels like maybe you're in the middle of a mess, and maybe the reason you feel like you're in the middle of that mess is because you're on the verge of a miracle. That, listen, listen. I'm talking about this the other week with some friends. For years as a child, I used to hear some of my aunts say this. My aunt Barbara, my aunt Ruth, my aunt Louise, they would say these things. Childbirth is so beautiful. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. It's so, so, so beautiful. So in middle school, when they showed us the childbirth video, I wasn't scared before they showed the video because childbirth was beautiful. And then I watched the video. Ultimately, I think that's why I had to go to rehab. I think that's the trauma that triggered it. It's, listen, 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 just listen. It's not beautiful. And I discovered, I know women say it's beautiful, but all the women that said it's beautiful, you were high, sweetheart. You were high. You had an epidural in your back, and you were high. You, let's talk about your husband over in the corner passed out, and they're giving him animal cookies and, and apple juice trying to get him revived. You know why? Because you saw the miracle, but he saw the mess. And the mess comes before the miracle, right? Now, the result of childbirth is beautiful. 
That's the miracle. There's a mess before there's a miracle, and that's what's going on in this story. Jesus puts mud on his eyes. So healing sometimes is messy, but the mess leads to the miracle. Now, you would think that it's, you would think that everybody would be excited about this, but they're not. Let's watch what happens next. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging ask, isn't this the same man who used to be sick, who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I'm the man, which, which I understand saying, I'm the man after you hit a golf shot or after you hit a free throw, I'm the man. But he's, he's saying, I'm the man. These people are doubting whether or not it was him. And don't miss, don't, don't miss this, don't miss this. Some people can't see you except through the lens of your former handicap. These people could not handle his healing because they were looking at him at who he used to be rather than who Jesus had turned him into. And one of the things that will drive us absolutely crazy is to begin to expect that everybody understands the work that God wants to do in your life. Some people can't handle your healing. Some people can't handle it when Jesus does something in you or for you or through you that they don't necessarily approve of. And that's what's going on with this guy. People can't even believe it's him. We can't believe this is you who has been healed. So it keeps going. How then were your eyes open, they ask? He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it. Notice he left out the spit. He left out the spit, okay? He just left it out because he figured out this TMI. Um, the man they called, they made Jesus, made, made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, so I went and washed. Then I could see. Where is this man, they ask? I don't know, he said. Now, this is kind of crazy for me. This is kind of crazy for me. Because instead of a celebration, they wanted an explanation, Hey, what happened? How to happen? Who was there? And when? when and and have you ever have you ever seen something happen where there should be a celebration, but instead of a celebration, people want an explanation? In fact, let me ask this: Do you think that sometimes when people meet Jesus, we expect too much out of them immediately? I was thinking about when Karis was born. Like how how cruel would it have been? She had to spend three days. She was C-section, so like three days in the hospital. How cruel would it, would it have been? If I would have taken her out of the hospital, put her in the driver's seat of my SUV and said, listen, girl, you've been alive for three days. You've been crying. You've been pooping. It's about time for you to grow up. So if you don't drive us home, we don't get home. Now, we would call that cruel parenting, but in the church, we call that discipleship. Sometimes we expect too much out of people immediately. There should just be a celebration that this guy gets his sight back but instead of celebrating, they're, they're, they're starting to give him the third degree. And this is where it gets a little bit crazy. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. And this is where the fertilizer hits the proverbial fan. This is where it gets crazy because the Pharisees had rules on top of rules on top of rules. 
I remember growing up, one of my favorite cartoons to watch. I would always get up on Saturday morning and watch cartoons. One of my favorite cartoons to watch was the Smurfs. Um, and some of you don't even know about the Smurfs. You're going to have to Google the Smurfs. But the Smurfs were, before they had movies, they, they were just a Saturday morning cartoon. I love the Smurfs. I thought they were great. That little song gets stuck in your head. La, 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 la. It, it does. It'll get there. You're welcome. And I remember talking to some friends about it, and one of my friends saying, yeah, my parents won't let me watch the Smurfs. I'm like, what? Yeah, my parents won't let me watch the Smurfs because a Christian leader said that watching the Smurfs was sinful because there was witchcraft in the Smurfs. And um, his parents literally thought, you like, you were demonic and going to hell if you watched the Smurfs. And I'm like, okay, good gosh. I mean, I think, I, but, but we all know that. We know people that have made rules on top of rules. Like the Pharisees had rules on the Sabbath. One of their rules was if you wanted to write something down, you couldn't write anything down that took more than two letters. So if you needed to write down two letters, you could. If you needed to write down three letters, that was a sin. So you couldn't even type out OMG on your iPhone because if you did, you just sinned, right? Well, you probably sinned twice because then you took the Lord's name in vain, according to some people. So it's all messed up. So they bring this guy to the Pharisees who had been healed. But now, now let's, let's just, just pause for a minute. Let's just pause for a minute. Let's just pause for a minute. A blind guy had received his sight. That is a miracle. Doesn't matter who you are. Doesn't matter your political preference. Doesn't matter whatever. A blind guy had received his sight. Can we at least celebrate that? I mean, that's a good thing, right? It's a good thing until they took him to church. Because what happened when they took him to church was, therefore, the Pharisees also asked him, how had he received his sight? He put mud on my eyes. He left out the spit again. You notice that? Because that's a little gross. He left it out twice. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied. And I washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. Stop. This, let's, let's just stop for just a second. Let's just stop for a second. Jesus was God. So they're kind of right. He wasn't, he wasn't from God. He, like, was God. But religion can create such an arrogance in us that when somebody doesn't do things, according to our, our rules, then they're not from God. They don't know Jesus. There's nothing good in them. And the Pharisees were so arrogant in this passage that they actually said that Jesus wasn't from God. Okay? This man, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath, their version of the Sabbath. But others ask, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. It's, it's so funny that the, the institution of religion is created to attack what doesn't fit into its system. And so, for example, when we get like this, I, I remember back in 2007, um, the presidential campaign, Barack Obama versus John McCain. And it was, it, it was like every presidential race is ugly, but it, it was this one. I mean, they were attacking each other, attacking each other. And I had some friends um, who were Christians that were like pro-McCain, and then I had some Christians, that, I had some friends that were Christian that were pro-Obama. And my friends that were Christians voted for Obama, and my friend, I'm not making this up, my friends that were for John McCain, after they found out that these guys voted for Obama, they cut them off. Wouldn't talk to them. And I'm sitting there going, 
For real? For, for real. But that's, how, that's what happens when it doesn't fit into my system. So let me just say this. Let me just say this, because this will resonate, and this will cause some people to log off, but that's okay. If all of your friends have to be pro-life, pro-gun Republicans, you are nothing like Jesus. You got it? Now, let me pause. I'm pro-life. I'm pro-gun. As far as I know, I think I've always voted Republican. But you know what? My friends don't have to be that way. I love Carly and Zach. They're vegans. Oh my gosh, for me to love a vegan is a miracle. I love them. Because of them, there's more steak for me. I'm just kidding. But, 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 but I, really, we've had some incredible conversations, but I didn't say, you're vegan, you're gone. And they hadn't said, you know, you eat meat and we don't like you. It's, it's when people have to, when you have to agree on everything to love somebody, then that's nothing like Jesus because you've heard me say it before and I, I didn't come up with this, but it stuck in my mind. Jesus loved people that were nothing like him and people that were nothing like him loved him. That's, that's when we know Listen, you know what? I believe this. You believe this. These are my convictions. These are your convictions. We can sit down and have a meal together. But when we love of you more than we love a person, stuff like this happens. And it gets, it gets crazier. It gets a little bit crazier. Then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. Now, I heard a guy teaching on this one time, and he was talking about how the guy got it wrong. He got it wrong, but can we, just, can we just say he had just met Jesus. He had just got his sight back. He was like, I think he's a, I think he's a pretty good guy, but it gets, it gets even crazier. They still did not believe that he had been blind. Like, they couldn't handle his healing. <laughs> Watch what they do. And they received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can see? Now, I relate with a guy right here because my parents got called in several times by the authorities. Like when I was in elementary school, it was like, my, my, I'm one of the only people that ever, my mother came to school to whip me in front of the principal. Like that happened. Like that's legit. It, it went down. Um, and, and, and on other occasions, I remember one night I was at church we were playing basketball, and there was this girl. Her name was Dottie. She was about eight foot two. Um, I think she was she was uh, she was humongous. Um, and I said something to her, and she slapped me. I, she didn't spit on me. She she slapped me. And I remember as soon as she slapped me, all of a sudden a hand came over my shoulder. My mother had came to pick me up, and I didn't see it, and and pushed her down and said, "Don't you ever touch him again." I was like, "Dang straight." And my mom was like, "Get your butt in the car." Anyway, so so when your parents get called in. It's like a good thing or a bad thing, but, but you would think, you would think, you would think. If your child had been born blind, and then your child had been healed, that you as a parent would more than likely be happy. I'm just, I'm a parent, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there. I would be happy. If you're a parent, you're going to go ahead and put it out there that you would be happy. But let's watch what happens. Watch this, watch this. We know he is our son. That's good. It's good. That's, that's, our, that's our boy. We did the 23andMe thing, and, and he's it. He's it. Parents answered. 
And we know he was born blind. But how he can see now, or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. They might as well looked at their son and said, we love our view more than we love you. Now, you've been healed. You've been healed. But we can't go along with your healing because if we do, it's going to affect our social standard. It's going to affect our social standing with the religious elite. And this has happened, man. I, I started listening out stories, and I, I won't go through all of them, but I, I can remember having a conversation with a friend of mine um, who is gay, and we were having a conversation about some of the things that he's personally experienced, like tough times. And he said one of the roughest days of his life was at his mother's funeral. So he's at his mother's funeral. And after the funeral was over, his father came up to him and told him, God killed your mother because you're gay. Now that's, that's horrible. But, but the dad might as well looked at the son and said, you know what, I, I love my view more than I love you. And that's a, that's a sad, sad, sad way to live. Um, I, I've, this, I know this girl um, who was getting married to this guy, and she was one of the sweetest people in the world, and she was marrying this guy. He's one of the coolest guys you've ever met. And they were getting married, and they had, this, they had a really cool outdoor wedding. Um, it was really hippie. Y'all would have loved it. Um, and so it was an outdoor wedding. It was all this cool stuff. And, and um, then they were going to the reception, but the, little, the girl's grandparents wouldn't come to the wedding because there was going to be alcohol served at the reception. And I remember thinking, really? Really? You're going to miss the wedding of your granddaughter because of your view? Listen, I'm all about convictions. But when you love a view more than you love a person, that's a problem. If anybody had a right to love a view more than us, it was Jesus. Yeah, just, just one more story right here. I remember a guy, he wouldn't go to his sister's wedding because his sister was getting married to a guy she was living with. And he was like, well, they're living together, so I'm not going to go to their wedding. And I was like, well, okay. I remember having this conversation. I was like, well, then what should they do? He said they should move out, um, and then they should get married. And I was like, okay, well, they're just skipping a step. They're, they're not going to move out. They're just going to get married. They're skipping it. They're making it easy for you, bro. But he would not attend the wedding of his sister because he loved the view. Now, once again, listen to me, listen to me. It's okay to have convictions. I've got solid convictions on what I believe. I've got solid convictions on what is right. I've got solid convictions on what is wrong. But I'm learning as I get older, when we allow our convictions to get in the way of relationships, it's not being like Jesus. It's being like the people who killed him. I can feel the tension coming through the screen. Let's keep, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Here we go. I love this. A second time they summoned him, the man who had been born blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth. 
shame the devil and tell the truth. That's what they're saying. They, they said, we know this man is a sinner. He rep- I love his re- reply. Whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Listen, guys, I do not have a theological explanation for what happened. All I know is I was there, mud pies, and then bam, and I can see. But they still can't handle it. They, 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 and then they ask him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered, I've told you already, and you did, you did not listen. Why? Do you want to hear it again? Why? Do you want to become his disciples too? Then they hurled insults to him. Stop it. Stop right here. Stop. When you're hurling insults at the guy who got healed, can we all admit that's a problem? This guy was healed by Jesus. Take him to the, before the religious leaders, and they start insulting him. When we start insulting healed people, that's a problem. So they're hur- the Bible doesn't say they spoke insults. The Bible said they hurled insults at him. So they're hurling insults at him. Where, where are we at? They, uh, and said, you are this fellow's disciples. We are disciples of Moses. In other words, like, you know him. We're, like, we're, better, like, we're better than you. We're better than, because we have our view. We're better than you. And anytime we have a view that makes us feel superior to somebody else, we have absolutely forgotten about the grace of God. So, so they start talking about how awesome they were disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, called Jesus this fellow, that's, that's a little funny. We don't even know where he comes from, which is an indictment against them, not the guy. The man answered, now that is remarkable. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard a of opening the eyes of uh, the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not, he could do nothing to this. They replied, you were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us? And they threw him out. Anybody see a problem with this? The guy at the beginning of the story cannot see. Jesus heals him. They take him to church. They throw him out. In other words, in other words, don't, don't miss this right here. When they can't attack who you are, they will attack who you were. They, they couldn't handle the fact that he had been healed, so they said, you were blind at birth. In other words, it's not that you are blind. You were blind. So there's a group of people, if they're always bringing up your past, if they're always bringing up what you did instead of focusing on who you are, then these are the type of people that love of you more than they love you, and they threw him out. But what I've grown to understand and what many people have grown to understand is sometimes you've got to get kicked out of a religious institution to get found by Jesus. Because I love the next verse. The next verse says this. Jesus heard that they had thrown him out, and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Understand, Jesus didn't go to him when he was in the middle of the trial with the religious people because Jesus was going to go through one of those later on himself. Jesus, after he had gotten kicked out, after he had gotten isolated, after he had been pushed away, Jesus goes to him and establishes the relationship. And, and maybe, maybe, maybe this has been some of our discoveries. You had to get kicked out by religion to be found by Jesus. So, so, to end today, I just got a couple questions. Number one, the first one, and these aren't going to come up on the screen. Do you love a view more than you love people? 
Do you love your political preference? Do you love your theological preference more than you love people? Because, oh my gosh, I was thinking about this. In college, I had a friend named Shane, uh, and he loved Halloween. Like, Halloween was one of his favorite, like, they, they, he loved to go to haunted. I don't like Halloween. I don't like to be scared. I don't like to be scared at all. I don't like for you to scare me. Some people are like, oh, I'll do if I don't scare you sometimes. You should know that I have a CWP. That's all you need to know, right? But I would, and I wouldn't, I'd just pop you in the knee. But um, I, I, I don't like being scared. But he loved it. He loved Halloween. And when I first became a Christian, I was like hyper-legalistic and... <laughs> I thought uh, Halloween was Satan's holiday. Now, some of you think that, and that's fine. That's great. You can just be bored on Halloween or have your harvest festival. But anyway, um, so so he thought that I thought that Halloween was satanic, and so I remember him and I getting in a conversation, and I had all this proof and this evidence, and da 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 da, and we got in an argument. Um, we were sweetmates in college, and we fought over Halloween, and for three days I wouldn't talk to him. Because he was worshiping the devil by dressing up, going to haunted houses and having pumpkins and stuff. Wasn't and then finally one day, I was just like, you know what? I need to calm the heck down. And we started talking and we established a friendship again. And then the next year, Halloween came around, we got in the same argument. But because I loved a view, I was, this, is, this, is my, this is my thing. I was right. But, but, and I've said this before, let me say it again. Do you know that you can be right and lose the relationship? Ask yourself, as a parent, as a parent, as a parent, I would rather preserve the relationship than be right and drive my daughter away. And as people that know Jesus, we should value people more than our view. We should have a view. We should have convictions. But when it isolates us from people, that's a problem. The second question is, has this happened to you? Have you ever been kicked out, cast aside, put down, or thrown away by a group of people that love to view more than they love you. Because if you have, listen, I know it hurt. I know it was painful. I know it absolutely sucks when you think about it. But at the end of the day, I want you to understand that's not the heart of Jesus. Jesus didn't stand at the edge of heaven and love his view more than he loved us. He came to us walked among us, gave his life for us so that we could be with him. And at the end of the day, it's my prayer, it's my prayer that we would be a group of people that absolutely have our convictions, but we, like Jesus, love people more than we love our theological and our moral stances. With that in mind, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the fact that you modeled what it looks like to love people. You loved people that were nothing like you in the scriptures. You did it 2,000 years ago, and you do it today. Father, I pray that you would take the words of this message, and God, you would, God, you would challenge those of us that, that need to be challenged. Maybe there's a person or a group of people that we've pushed away because they don't think like we think or believe like we believe. And Jesus, I pray that even today we would take steps to make that relationship or those relationships right. And Father, I pray for the person out there, the people that have been pushed away because someone loved a view more than they loved them. I pray, Jesus, they would know today that's not your heart. 
And you're, you're here right now, closer than we know. With heads bowed and eyes closed, maybe, maybe today you realized that the pain and the, the, the suffering you've gone through in your life, through, that humans have put you through, it just puts you in a place where you realize you need something or someone stronger than yourself. And that something or someone is Jesus. And you can pray right now and give your life to him. We have people do it every week at Second Chance. And if you are watching this broadcast and you, need to, you want to give your life to Jesus today, you're like, you know what? If Jesus will accept me as I am, and by the way, he will, you don't have to change a thing. All you got to be willing to do is ask Jesus to come into your life, and he will. Then if that's what you want, I want you right now to pray. Just right where you are, you can just pray this prayer. Just say, Jesus Christ, come into my life and take over. I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. And right now I give my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Show me how to live for you the rest of my life, the best I know how. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, thank you so much for watching today. If you just prayed that prayer, if you'll do the hand raise emoji on the um, on Facebook, if you'll just do the little hand raise emoji, or if you're watching online, if you'll just hit the hand raise button, we love to celebrate at the end of the day how many people prayed to receive Christ. I think we saw seven last week, Ed. Was it seven or eight? Eight people prayed to receive Christ last week. And so we're super excited. So if you can hit the hand raise emoji or um, on uh, the website or do the hand raise emoji on Facebook, we'd love to celebrate that. And, um, and yeah, I almost forgot. If you have a prayer request, specifically in regards to today's message or anything, prayer at perrynoble.com, prayer at perrynoble.com. We'd love to be able to answer that prayer request for you. Also, um, lots of people asking about the building and how the fund's going. And normally this is the part in the message where I would show you the building fund update. I'm not going to show you the update today. I'm going to show you what we need. Okay. This is what we need. We need 25,000 more dollars to hit 250 K. Isn't that crazy? We've got an internet campus and we've raised nearly $250,000. Now let me show you what it's going to take. And I want to hit it this week. I think we can do it this week. It's going to take one person giving $2,500. It's going to take 50 people giving $250. And it's going to take 400 people giving $25. Now, $25,000, that's a lot. And a lot of people look at that and they're like, there's no way I could give that. But you know what? 25 bucks, that's your Starbucks this week. For some of you, that's your Starbucks today. Like today. Your double fat, no whip extra soy jump down turnaround latte is $25. All right. And so you just don't drink that today. Just go to Waffle House and get a 50 cent cup of coffee, more caffeine in that, by the way. Um, but if we had one person this week that would give $2,500, 50 people that give 250, 400 to give 25, we'll be at 25,000, which will put us in 250 K. When's the opening date, Perry? Doesn't matter until we get 250 K because we can't buy the stuff. It's real easy. It's real. I'm, I listen. I'm not the smartest person in the world, but I can do simple math. So if you want to give, if you want to help us get to this goal, um, you can go to mysecondchancechurch.com, mysecondchancechurch.com. There's a give button in the upper right-hand corner, or you can send a check to Second Chance Church, uh, 210 South Main Street, Anderson, South Carolina, 29624. We're going to continue this series next week. Um, and, and by the way, this next week, um, kind of the subtitle of the message is what I would say to someone who is gay. It's going to be real interesting. If you've got some thoughts about that, 
Don't miss next week. It's probably not going to be what you think. It's going to be super interesting. Um, yeah, that's all I'm going to say about it. I'll see y'all next week. I love you guys. Y'all have a great week. Best is yet to come.